Hello and welcome to the Fellow Cast. This is another Bring Your Own Bible episode. And Pastor Garth is continuing to discuss Genesis. And we today we are in Genesis chapter 5. And we are working our way through all the way to the end of the flood. So take a moment just to find your uh, seat, maybe. Or if you are standing or driving, whatever you are doing. To get yourself ready to listen and receive some great knowledge and wisdom from the book of Genesis. Yes, Valdu, here we are in Genesis chapter 4. We're moving along and it's been exciting so far. And today we're actually starting off with a really sad account. (laughs) So the main thrust of what we're going to speak about now from Cain and Abel's story into the flood of Noah is just recognizing how the Bible tells us sin comes in, it takes a, gets a finger and it grabs the whole arm. Um, it's just rampant rage mm-hmm. suddenly. Um, so the first sin was disobedience in the garden, not trusting God. The second one actually has something to do with that as well. It's jealousy and all of that, but it leads to murder. Um, and then by the time we get to Noah's story, we see, oh my goodness, uh, it's gone so bad in a couple of generations that uh, God says, I cannot take this anymore. Um, I'm going to wipe everybody from the face of earth and spare one man and his family. So I think really that's the overarching story of these chapters. Um, So Adam and Eve had children. Uh, Cain is definitely the firstborn because it says um, she had a son. And then she said to the Lord, um, I've brought forth a son with the help of the Lord. So it's the first experience of giving birth. And um, as we see from the curse, from the start, a painful experience. And she recognizes the Lord's help in all of that. Um, And then later on, she had another son. We don't know if there were others born in between. And why it's important to note that is the Bible is telling us of specific people to follow a line of a story. Mm. Um, it's, It's not telling us all the children that Adam and Eve had. It's telling us of the three that is important for the story, Cain, Abel, and later Seth. Because yeah. there's always this question, when Cain go, goes out from the presence of the Lord after sinning, who did he go and marry? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and was it his sister? Yeah. All of those kind of things. Yeah. So by that time, they must have had many children, and those children started having children. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to see in the genealogy just now, they get pretty old. And um, I'm sure menopause at that time was a bit later <laughs> definitely around <laughs> yeah. about 800 years or there something. we go around <laughs> about there yeah um now how did this happen um it says Cain uh, was a he worked the land he worked the field and he in time brought some of the produce of the land some of the labor of his hands he brought to the lord um abel uh, had animals it was a fear boot. And he too brought some of the fat portions of his animals as a sacrifice to the Lord. And it's beautiful that right from the beginning it seems like it's just a normal part of recognizing, God, you feed me. You look mm. after me. I get provision from the ground that you have given me. And I recognize it. I honor and worship you as mm. that. Um, there's never a law given by God that they must bring a sacrifice to him it's just from the start it's a natural thing something like we would speak about a tithe Hmm. and then there's a bit of a question in the story because suddenly it says um, 
But the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his sacrifice, but he did not look with favor on Cain and his sacrifice. Mm. Now, some people will take it and say, all right, but later the Lord says you must sacrifice an animal as a sin offering. Mm. That's why the Lord looked with favor on Abel's sacrifice. But nothing in the story suggests that. In fact, the only thing we can see is that Cain's heart is not right. Because when he gets jealous and angry towards his brother, then the Lord says to him, But wait, Cain, if you do what is right, I will also accept your sacrifice. Mm. So it's got to do with the intent of the heart. Um, Cain is bringing a sacrifice to the Lord, but his heart is not towards the Lord, and Mm. his actions is not demonstrating that he actually loves and honors the Lord. Mm. Abel, on the other hand, then obviously, his ways are right with the Lord. Therefore, when he brings his sacrifice, the Lord looks with favor on it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, I think it later in Scripture it talks about it, when you when you have something against your brother mm. and you're in God's presence, first go back and yes. make right, and then you come and give your sacrifice. So I think it does definitely yeah. speak into yeah, the heart m- issue. Much more to do with heart than with method. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. it's not a um, as we will say a religious action in itself. Yeah, it does not please the Lord. It's yeah. the heart behind it, and that's what Cain has to deal with over here. So the jealousy takes over in his heart and he invites his brother into the field with him and when they're alone, he strikes his brother and he kills him and he tries to hide him. And then it's interesting, the Lord comes to him and says, "Uh, Cain, where's your brother? And his response is, what? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's babysitter? Um, as if his, God didn't know. Yes, but even in his attitude towards the Lord, mm. trying to hide it in such a flippant way. Mm. Um, and I've heard a sermon on this before, and I think it's a very good point that when I've got that attitude, when the Lord asks me, Goth, where's Voldu? Or let's say, where's Voldu in his walk with me? Or do you mm. know what's happening in Voldu's life? And I say to the Lord, What? Am I Voldu's keeper? then the Lord's response will actually be, yes, you are. You're supposed to look out for your brother. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's a very good point. Mm. Um, just something, sorry, God, mm. something that strikes me by this that I think we often just gloss over is the fact that how openly they were communicating with God. Yes. I think like I miss it often because mm. obviously their parents started off like that and uh, sometimes I ask the question, like, how did they know about God? How did they know God? Yes. But obviously it was passed along. But yeah, God's speaking to him, yeah. like, openly. Um, and those are the things that I sometimes just gloss over and you take it for granted. But it's so, good so real that they were actually, they knew God. They, yeah. they had no excuse to not uh, be able to say, well, I didn't know or God didn't say this. Yeah. Kind of nothing was left uh, unspoken, so to speak. They don't ever sound surprised. Yeah. Um, like later on, we'll see in Judges, there's this barrier between them and God, and God would show up and speak to Gideon, and he wouldn't even know. Yeah. Um, yeah. To Samson's parents. Yeah. Um, and then the Lord says to him, Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Just listen, you cannot hide it. All right. The blood has been spilled, it's crying out. Mm. Uh, later we're going to read a Noah story about the lifeblood as well. So there's something special about that. Um, and if we look forward 
to the blood of Jesus mm. is crying out on my behalf. Mm. <laughs> um, it's it's just like a life has been taken. The yeah. Lord knows it. Yeah. It cannot be hidden. What have you done? Listen. The Lord says, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Verse 11. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. So there's already been a curse on the ground in Adam's days. Mm. And see what... Uh, precludes or what do you say what comes before the curse every time is sin mm. it's the consequences of sin so they already Cain had to work the ground hard it wasn't easy to just heal the crop mm. and now the Lord is saying because of murder it's not going to work with you anymore the ground is not going to be in cooperation with you anymore. Mm. if you're going to mm. try and work it it won't give a yield to you um, so just think let's look through countries or regions where um, farms cannot be held. It's deserts, things like that, yeah. um, rocky places. And then maybe there's something about that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what does that say in uh, Deuteronomy, the blessings and the curses? Yeah. If you obey me, the ground will just yield its fruit. Mm. So if we're in right relationship with God, our righteous actions actually produces fruit on yeah. the ground. Yeah. Um, but as soon as we break relationship with one another and we break relationship with God, the earth doesn't work with us anymore. Yeah. Eh? Powerful. It's, and it's very interesting because it, in that there's a kind of a caution for us to not become the judge of, you know, regions. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm immediately thinking of like Namibia who's had a seven-year drought. Sure. Um, and I actually spoke to someone on the weekend who's who's been in that. Mm. And they love God. and, and But you realize... The, the, what you've mentioned it has yeah. to be something to do with it but for me but to, to we say just don't know. yeah we can't say well they must have sinned yeah and and caused god some heartache or something that he would withdraw very know. good point so yeah. it, it's a it's a slippery kind of or it's not very just fine line for us yes. you know it's yeah. beyond our thinking yeah yeah but but there's like definitely something to say for that. Was it the, uh, you know, if my if my people will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal the land. Is that the scripture, right? I think it's in yes. Chronicles. Yes. So there is definitely something of yeah. a repentance. Seek the Lord. Yeah. And only in Him there is blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Our methods won't just bring it. And then Cain responds to the Lord. He says, "Wait, this is just my my um, punishment is too hard for me to bear." Today you are driving me from the ground, and his complaint is, anybody who finds me can kill me. So by that time already, the, the families have spread, you know, yeah. the, um, the population have grown, and he's fearful. Interesting, before that he wasn't fearful, but now he murdered somebody, Fear and in his heart he realizes, wait, it's easy for my life to be taken as well. Mm. And then the grace of the Lord on him, he says, no, I'm going to put a sign on you. What is the sign? We don't know. <laughs> but I'm going to put a sign on you so that anybody who finds you will not harm you. And then he gives a promise, and that's going to be important for the genealogy we're about to read. He says, um, anybody who takes Cain's life, um, the punishment on them will be sevenfold. Sure. How great is the grace of God yeah. over here? I mean, this guy just murdered his brother. But he cries out to the Lord and says, please have grace on me. It's too heavy for me to bear. And the Lord is willing. Mm. He says, I'll have grace on you. I'll put protection on you. 
and I'll even have a vengeance on those who's going to punish you. Sure. Yeah. So who's the one over here who's the judge? It's the Lord. Yeah. He, Abel's life is taken, and he responds against Cain. So justice is done mm. in the sight of the Lord. Sure. So in the genealogy that's about to follow now, we see um, Cain goes ahead and builds a city and names it after his son. And that's always for me interesting. Up until now, it sounds like, all right, they lived in the garden. They came out of the garden. We don't know where they lived, but they didn't build a city. We're not told. He goes out from the presence of the Lord. That's important to recognize. The presence of the Lord was there with Adam and his family. He goes out from that because of his sin. And he goes and builds a city. It seems like the fear that he was in required him now to put walls around him. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't just live out in the open anymore. He had to uh, make a fortress, a safe place for him to be in. Mm. And then we get a bit of a family line, and then the family line suddenly stops in verse 19 with a short story. Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other one Zillah. And one day he called these two wives together, and he makes this bold statement. He says, Ada and Zillah, my wives, listen to me. Hear my words. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. Listen to his bragging. Mm, arrogance. Eh? <laughs> sure. There's no shame in it. This yeah. is not Cain who tries to hide it from the Lord. Yeah. He calls the family together and listen, I just want you to remember this is who I am. He identifies with his sin. Yes, and then he says, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. So something in this family line going on is now just becoming worse. Mm. Murder is no, no longer something to hide. Murder is now something to boast about. Mm. And vengeance is something to threaten. Hey? It was the Lord who said, I'll take vengeance for your sake. Leave it to me. I'll look after you. Yeah. Lamech says, I'm going to take it in my own hands. I'll make sure. <laughs> and that then um, takes us into the genealogy in chapter 5, from Adam to Noah which then starts off with God saying, God created man in his own likeness, in his own image, and he called him man. Goes over to Adam had a son in his own likeness, in his own image. He named him Seth. So it starts off with the image of God. Yeah. Man is made in the image of God. It ends in the start of chapter um, 6, when man began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them the sons of god saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them they chose who's those sons of god it's interesting because in chapter five in the beginning the son of god as it tells it is adam yes and eve they were made in the likeness of god and named but over here in chapter six uh, most commentators will say okay this is something different yeah angels these are angels um, and they looked down on the daughters of man and saw that they were beautiful, and then it says, and they took any of them that they pleased. And then from that was born something different, the giants, the Nephilim, mm. the great men of renown that was on the earth. And then it says, in those days, and also later, which would say to us, after the story we're about to read, in other words, after the flood, it happened again. So in my reading, all the way from chapter 3, when the first sin takes place, in chapter 4 we see, oh, that sin is compounded. It now becomes murder. By the end of chapter 4, 
Now we're boasting about murder. Into chapter 5, just a reminder, listen, we made in the image of God, and when we run down the genealogy, what happened? The image of God is marred in us so much that um, men and women will dabble with what I will call demons. Yes. Um, angels that are not keeping with the order that God has placed there. Yeah. Yeah. And the consequence of that is giants. Now, um, every time we read about giants, uh, later in the story of, um, of David, who killed the giant, uh, they're not godly people. Yeah. None of the giants in the scripture, because later David had to wipe them out. Um, they, all of them are ungodly, mm. Uh, and they worship demons. So by that time then, the Lord says, wait, I cannot bear with this any moment, any longer. It grieves my spirit to look at man. In fact, he comes as much to say there in the beginning of chapter 6, I'm sorry that I made man. Um, how, how sad is that? Sure. In, in Adam and Eve's story, he comes and walks with them in the garden. They're made in his image, his representatives. And by this time, now a couple of generations later, it hurts him that he made them. Mm. And it's to such an extent, and we have to see that it comes out of the hurt of God. God is not just angry and flips his lid and wipes out the earth. Yeah. Um, it comes to a point where he says, I cannot bear this anymore. They are hurting, devastating one another and my creation. Mm. I will now start clean. I will wipe the slate. So he comes and he says, but there is an, a Noah who found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And verse 9 then starts with, this is an account. He was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. He had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then the Lord comes and gives him this incredible commission. He says, I want you to build an ark. I'm going to give you the blueprints. I'm going to give you the plan. This is how it's going to be made. Uh, it's a God-scaled yeah, sure. uh, thing. <laughs> and isn't it beautiful that even today, I r truly believe the Lord comes and he gives to his children those kind of yeah, blueprints. Man, he yeah. says, listen, you've got an engineering problem. I'm going to give you the blueprints. Mm. I'm going to give it to you in a dream. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Absolutely. Still the same God. But it's on such a scale that it takes him 120 years yeah. to build it. And finally... Uh, we told in the New Testament in Peter that he actually went out into his generation and he cried out. He was a prophet. Mm. Said to them, listen, repent, turn to the Lord. And they laughed at him. Um, they, they didn't want to listen. So for us, it's an image of the cross of Jesus yeah. and the cross opening up. That's how Peter speaks about it as well. And says that the cross opens up and says, come into the cross, come into the ark and be safe here because the judgment of God's going to come on sin. Yeah. The invitation is open to anybody. And in Noah's time, only him, his wife, his three children, and their three wives came in, eight people mm. in all. It, it always blows my mind to think about that, the amount of faith he had to have yes. to continue for 120 years building this ark without seeing the, the, the rain. Yeah. Yes. I think it took 125 years before it actually rained or something like that. 120 years and then seven days yeah. inside. Yeah. So that's just yeah. to, to hold on to that word of God. And I think sometimes we, we wait a year or a week or two once we've received the yes. word and we go, well, it hasn't happened, so it mustn't be true. Yeah. <laughs> These, that's always a good reminder for me. That yeah. 
God yeah. knows when. And think about the the repercussions for a man who builds something of that scale. Um, you need to go and chop the wood. You yeah. need to go and make planks. Uh, all of that time that him and his family could have spent on farming and growing their wealth and their comfort, all yeah. of that, it's personal sacrifice for all of those years yeah. to obey God. Yeah. Um, all with, I've heard his voice. Yeah. Now, can I also say that um, we've had experiences in our life and in ministry and those kind of things where we made choices based on I've heard God. Mm. Um, faith comes by hearing. Yeah. So don't just look at him at, as a superhuman. No, he's a man who knew the voice of God. Yeah. And when he heard the voice of God, it brought enough faith to, to act in obedience. Yeah. So we trust the same for us. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. But then, yes, 120 years later, um, the Lord says, finally, all right, go inside the ark. And by a miracle, the Lord brings the animals two by two. He takes them in. Um, always remember just the number of those animals. It makes much more sense if you realize it that way. Um, there are altogether seven pairs of the clean animals. Mm. So in all, uh, 14 sheep, if you want to put it that way, yeah. or 14 from a species of sheep. Um, 14 goats because you're allowed to eat them. So any animals that people would eat, um, altogether 14, yes. seven pairs. And then of the unclean animals, uh, let's say a lion, there would only be one male, one female. Okay. Um, and, and it makes sense because eventually if they come out of the ark, what are they going to eat? Hmm. Uh, the first lion goes and grabs that lamb. Ah, <laughs> oh, there goes the... <laughs> repopulate yes yeah and he comes out of the ark and he brings a sacrifice to the lord oh goodness there goes the goat yeah goodness <laughs> um so the food animals were more in pairs not like the kids bibles will draw them always yeah um and yeah all of our, our minds start calculating he says how much food did he have to take on uh onto that ark how much hay how much whatever else you yeah know? As long as you can feed the clean animals, at least there's food for the carnivores. Yeah. You know, that's fine. But uh, did all of them hibernate for an entire year? Um, did the Lord miraculously Sustain multiply them. the food? In any way that this took place, it was a miracle. Yeah. All right? However we figure it out, it was an absolute miracle yeah. that the Lord sustained them. Because again, we normally tell the story, oh, for 40 days and 40 nights, and then they came out. No, it rained, and the springs opened up on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights mm. um, until the entire earth was covered with water. And then only... Then it started subsiding. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I jumped over an important point that always blows my mind, is they go into the ark, as we mentioned just now. They close it. The Lord seals it, yeah. the door. And then for seven days, imagine the people outside laughing yeah. at this crazy On man the and his dry family. ground, yeah. Yeah, nothing happens for seven days. Yeah. And you start doubting. What did we hear right? Were we crazy? Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing with all these animals in a boat? <laughs> you know? Um, and yeah. then suddenly it starts, you know? But then after the floodwaters have come, uh, then this ark is just drifting over a sea of uh, the earth just covered with water, which is exactly how the story starts off mm. with creation. There's the earth covered with water um, and all of the death underneath of that water. Think sure. about that.
Yeah. And in my mind, all of the fossils forming down there with this incredible erosion that's yeah. taking place. Um, and then it says the water, the wind started blowing over the waters. And I forgot exactly how long, but um, as the water starts receding with this wind blowing over it, and obviously the cloud starts forming up above, suddenly it hits a mountain, and there on the mountain it would sit, and they would wait and wait and wait, until finally it is a year and ten days before they come out of the ark. Sure. <laughs> That's a long time. Mm. It's an incredible long time. Um, and I always try and imagine for myself, just what a lonely year. It yeah. is a family together over here. But remember, under that flood waters is their, f their friends, um, if they had good friends. Yeah. But I mean the guys that the boys would go to school with. Or picture it in any normal human way yeah. as you can. All their relations, their cousins, Nothing. their aunts, their uncles, their brothers, um, all of them are under the flood waters. It's, it's a really tough mm. year. Um, they were humans like yeah. ourselves. And then when they came out of the ark, um, there's this really, uh, it's a strange conversation with God because we see that something has changed on the face of the earth. The Lord says, as long as the earth endures, I will never again stop seed time and harvest. Seasons will never end again because for this year, there were, there were no seasons, right? It, just Effectually, it just didn't matter. Yeah. It, the earth is covered with water. But he makes this promise. He says it won't end again. Um, and I will never flood the entire earth again. He, this promise that he makes. Which just sounds like this is God saying, this is too much for me. Mm. I, I will never do this again. All right. Um, and then he said to them, listen, be fruitful and increase in number. Which is exactly what he said to Adam and Eve and to the other animals as well. It's like a fresh start. A new creation mm. says increase in number. Um, and he gives this promise. He says the fear of you or the dread of you will fall upon every beast. It doesn't sound like that in Adam and Eve's days. That yeah. was never said. But suddenly the relationship over here changes. Yeah. And on top of that, he says, now I don't just give you the, the fruit and the seeds and all of those things. In other words, you won't just eat plants, but from now on out, you can also eat flesh, all right? You can yeah. be a hunter, uh, which sounds like when Abel farmed with animals, it was not for meat. It would have been for clothing, for wool or yeah. for... Um, and sacrifices. Yes, and for milk and those kind of things. But now you can actually eat meat. It just seems like something on the earth have changed mm. and a diet change was required as well. But definitely the relationship with the earth is now a bit different mm. with animals. Um, and then he says, but you must not eat the meat that has its lifeblood in it. Which I said just now in Cain's story, there's a refrain that's going to come through yeah. scriptures now. Um, so you're not allowed to have the blood. So what about Blutwurst? The Germans will always ask. Yeah. <laughs> is it allowed? Um, uh, remember that with later with... Peter, yes. there's something of a turnaround of these things. I don't know if it turns around the blood story as yeah. well, um, but definitely is an instruction. And then added on to that, he says, and for your lifeblood, for the lifeblood of man, I will surely take vengeance from anybody. I will require uh, a punishment from anybody who kills a man, whether it be animal or whether it be another man. Hmm. 
And interesting, he says then in the next verse, he says, and if a man kills a man, he will pay for it with his life. Um, here's some of the first laws that yeah. start coming through, and that's going to be emphasized in Leviticus, in Numbers, and Exodus. Um, he's going to clarify exactly how does this punishment happen. Um, like in Romans 13, we told it's the government who bears the sword. So yeah, from the beginning, it's God's instruction to say there's actually, there's a structure. Yeah. Um, if you take the life of another man, there's a responsibility on somebody to come and make that right, to bring justice, mm. which is pay with your life. So it opens up an entire question about um, death penalty. Death penalty. Um, but yeah, that, let's leave that for somebody else to have that sure. conversation. But yeah. there's uh, suddenly instructions from God. Mm. Let, let's leave the story there then. What do you think, Waldo? Yeah, sure. I think it's a good, good spot to, to end it off today. Mm. Thank and, you. Uh, where are we going to go next week? Well, we're going to speak about Noah into um, Genesis chapter 10. And remember the genealogy stories. We actually have covered the genealogies in our yes. first sessions of this bring your own bible yeah. so go and listen to the first and to the second one and you'll hear chapter five and chapter ten yeah. but we'll definitely quickly speak about that encounter with these boys after he he planted a vineyard yeah a, a really interesting lesson in generational curses yeah, yeah absolutely and then just to mention that there will be a resource available for the timeline of the flood right yes i've got an interesting slide that just lays it out how long was everything okay. uh, with the whole birds being sent out and all of that that will just make the reading a bit yes. easier so we'll attach that and we'll give you the link and then next week we'll get back into the rest of genesis thank you so much god always enjoy it thanks Waldo. Well